Well, good morning. God bless you. Wow, what a great turnout in Overton today. I am telling you, this is fantastic. The last time I was here, I was the only person here. I pulled in and I visited the church and um, I just took a picture by the sign to, so I had proof that I was here. This is way better. It's way better to get here and have all of you here. Pastor Rudy, God bless you and thank you for all that you have been doing here, serving so faithfully in this part of our district. And Brother Dave, good to see you again. Praise the Lord, and thank you for your faithfulness, and thanks for leading worship for us today. That was terrific. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, it is an honor to be here, and um, Pastor told you I was going to introduce my wife, so I'm going to do that. Valerie, stand up real quick. This is Valerie. And <laughs> Valerie is a credentialed minister with the Assemblies of God. She's one of our pastors. And Valerie and I have been married 42 years in about another couple weeks here. We have an anniversary coming up. And uh, we have two sons, uh, Ryan and Andrew, and they are both credentialed ministers with the Assemblies of God. My mother is a credentialed minister with the Assemblies of God. My dad is also. And I have a daughter-in-law uh, who is a credentialed minister. So when we all get together, we write sermons. That's, that's what happens <laughs> at our Thanksgiving table. But Valerie and I have two sons, and when we brought them home, uh, we both started praying for them. We prayed different kind of prayers. Val would pray those motherly kind of prayers over our boys. And I prayed that God would create women that would take them out of our house. And uh, the Lord was faithful to us. Not just once, but twice. Neither of them live with us. Hallelujah. Praise God. And uh, they, we, they both have sons of their own. And uh, so that is our family. And uh, Valerie and I are uh, quite honored, quite honored to be here with you today. I'm going to pray for you. And then I want to uh, bring a message to you. And I want to commend you as a church on a couple of things. And I want to commend your pastor on a couple of things so let me pray for you before I bring a word of commendation and compliment to you. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this church. We thank you for your presence and we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that your word is alive, that it's active, that it cuts through the games and the nonsense of our lives and it parts that which is and which isn't true. And Lord, as we look at your word, we recognize, Holy Spirit, you to be the author of these words. So we invite you to be our chief communicator today. As we talk about concepts and precepts from your word, Holy Spirit of God, we ask that you would preach to men and women and young people realities that you want to say to them about them. Bless us, Lord, as we look at your word. We've not gathered today for religious ceremony. We have gathered today to look at your word and to have encounter with you. So we thank you again, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your house. Thank you for your spirit. We just thank you, Lord. We are grateful to be here. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says this, Now it is required 
that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. It is required and you must. Well, those are strong words, that's strong language, that when somebody gives something to you, scripturally speaking, you must do a good job being faithful in the opportunities that have been given to you. Faithfulness is one of those wonderful aspects and characteristics in the life of a Christian that always produces blessing. You see, God, God's blessing is an interesting thing. Some people say, well, that's when God was blessing me, or I wish God would bless me, or I, there was, there's, there's some things I need God to bless in my life. God's blessing is nonstop, 24-7. It never stops. God's blessing is always like a shower. God's blessing is like a shower. Now, you can decide if you move into God's blessing or if you move out of God's blessing. Some people want to live out over here doing whatever they want, but they want the blessing of God to kind of angle their direction. If you want the blessing of God, you just simply move in obedience into the center of what it is that God has for you, and the blessing of God is a constant. Blessing and obedience. Blessing and faithfulness go hand in hand. You cannot break that up. When you are obedient, God blesses. You see, faithfulness is one of those wonderful traits because it aligns us with God's character. There's no shadow of God ever changing. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when we start marking faithfulness in our life, that aligns us so beautifully with the character and the personality and the characteristics and the traits of who God is. Faithfulness is something that every one of us admires because we benefit from people who are faithful. When your wife is faithful to you for years and years and years, that's a blessing. When your husband is faithful to you for years and years and years, that is a blessing. When your parents are faithful to you year after year after year, what a blessing faithfulness brings into our lives. Very often we teach faithfulness as a trait that will be rewarded when one day we stand before the Lord and the Lord says, well done, good and Faithful servant. And that kind of gets the limelight on this idea of being faithful. But like so many aspects of God's kingdom, there is a multifaceted benefit both now and through eternity to those who adhere to godly traits and principles. Faithfulness is one of those traits. And today I want to stop and I want to recognize your faithfulness. Your faithfulness to this church. Your faithfulness to all of those missionaries whose faces are on that wall out there. I know every one of those people. And I am blessed walking into this church today to see missions cards hanging on the wall and to know that you have been so faithful. It blesses me to know that this church is being faithful to Evan Prosser. Evan and April are both graduates from Harvard and they have spent their lives ministering in downtown San Francisco to homeless persons. They set up and they preach and the police come along and tell him to move along. Valerie and I were there just several months ago and we were at a 
area down by the water, and it was freezing cold, freezing cold. The wind was blowing off of the bay, and there was a few benches there, and they put up some folding chairs, and we had acoustic worship, Brother Dave. There was no sound out there that the city provided. And we had worship, and I spoke, and I wore a top hat that day, trying to keep my bald head warm, and I had a trench coat on, and the homeless showed up in droves, wrapped up in blankets and sleeping bags. Pastor Evan is a faithful man. He's done that his whole life. He's ministered to those people. And you faithfully are standing beside him. Boy, faithfulness is a wonderful thing. I recognize your faithfulness. But Pastor, I recognize your faithfulness. I recognize your faithfulness to God over all these years. You see, Pastor Rudy was licensed in 1955. 1955. Now that's just a little while ago. And he was ordained in 1973. And um, when he was 21 years old, he was a lead pastor of an Assemblies of God church in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. 21 years old. Can you imagine a 21-year-old senior pastor? And we're, we're talking about, man, that is amazing. And somebody, a whole bunch of somebody's looked at Pastor Rudy and said, you know what, we think you've got the goods to pastor us at age 21. Please come do that. Spent some time in Florida, and then he transferred his credential to Northern California, Nevada. Hallelujah. We're glad he did. The Grecos pastored First Assembly of God in Tracy. They pastored First Assembly of God in Placerville. And then Pastor Rudy's passion for rural churches started to grow. And in 1994, Pastor Rudy and Lee bought a motorhome and traveled throughout the district across the United States, mentoring and encouraging young pastors in their churches. And Rudy has described that as some of the best years of his ministry. And today, Pastor Rudy lives here in Las Vegas, and he serves as an interim pastor where he has demonstrated to you great faithfulness. On October the 10th, 2022, Pastor Rudy lost his precious wife, 68 years. And you know what he did? He continued to be faithful to God and continued to be faithful to ministry. Pastor, I celebrate you today and I salute you today and I commend you today because as I talk about faithfulness today, the backdrop is easy to make comment about as you wear a gold pin on your lapel because of your faithfulness and as you serve a church that also demonstrates and manifests the characteristic of faithfulness. Faithfulness blesses you. It blesses those around you. But it blesses generations that are going to follow you that you will never meet. Your Faithfulness will have an impact on people you will never know. Unbelievable. Your, fish, your missions dollars and your faithfulness of missions dollars are blessing people's eternities that you will only meet once you get to heaven. One of the great principles of Scripture is the reality of life that faithfulness of an individual can bless a family, it can bless a group, it can bless a congregation. 
It can bless an unsaved neighbor. <laughs> it can bless an entire nation. And in Scripture, time after time after time, nations were blessed because of an individual's faithfulness to God. Faithfulness that a single person can impact so many through such a simple thing. The lesson of Bible characters reflect this reality. The faithful actions of a single individual has the power to exponentially bring blessing to others. Faithfulness helps develop heroes like in chapter 11 of Hebrews. Faithfulness helps us understand why the reality of God, what the reality of what God is doing can be found in every circumstance and in every situation. Faithfulness builds and strengthens our relationships. And faithfulness is a prerequisite to real lasting fruit in our lives. Fruit is reflective of the character of God. Fruit such as loyalty and trustworthiness and steadfastness and love, patience and being committed. When we begin to embrace these characteristics of faithfulness, we learn not only how to be faithful to God, how to be faithful to ourselves, because Jesus is the same and he is faithful to us. God always addresses issues and problems and concerns by grabbing a single faithful individual and putting them into what seems to be a difficult set of circumstance. He did it with John the Baptist, did it with Nehemiah, he did it with Noah, and he did it with David. Each of these through acts of faithfulness and in every day part of their life we're able to bless countless people. In Luke chapter 3 there's a list of names. Now in my Bible reading when I get to Luke chapter 3 verse 1 I just kind of read over these names. And one day I was reading over these names rather quickly going yeah 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 I got that I got that I've read this before I know that part. Yes I understand this part. And the Lord said to me whoa 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 slow down Read it again. I've read this passage so many times, but one day it hit me. It was in the names. I guess I should have seen it there before. It was right up front. Luke doesn't hurry through any of these names. He identifies every one of them. He doesn't hide them. He names them. He mentions them. He mentions their family relations. He describes their positions. And in all, there are seven of them. The first name is... Tiberius. And Tiberius was a Roman emperor who ruled the Roman Empire. He had a son, he was the son of Augustus, and he was corrupt, he was a tyrant, and he exercised his authority with extreme cruelty, and he declared himself to be God. Next on the list is Pontius Pilate. He's a Roman politician. The next three names belong to the family of Herod. Herod the Great, Herod Philip, and Herod Antipas, both of them are sons of Herod the Great. And the final names on the list are Caiaphas and Annas. Both were high priests. Annas was the father-in-law of Caiaphas. They ruled the temple and the Sanhedrin, the religious council in Jerusalem. As religious leaders, one might assume that they were chosen by God or at least selected by the people to rule, but they weren't. They were appointed by the Romans to keep everybody quiet. The Romans appointed them to have control over the people through them. And their positions allowed them to profit hugely 
in their temple business. The amount of money that these two men made in their business transactions is staggering. Caiaphas, more than anyone, was responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus. What did all of these seven names have in common? As a group, they lived in luxury. They slept on soft bed and they lived in large palaces and they ate delicacies and they wore clothing that was from fine fabrics. And as a group of men, they loved power and they traded in favors and they ruled by force. They had cunning and they were vicious and they were corrupt. As a group, these men were ungodly. They defied God. Some of them had images of themselves cast and set up as God. Some worshipped idols. They lived by superstition. And most importantly, as a group, they opposed what God had for God's people. They did not want to see the restoration that God had planned for His people and the coming of the Messiah. They liked their palaces, their position, their power, and their pleasure, and they did not want to hear anything about God or from God. They did not want to see the salvation of the Lord, and as a group, they did everything they could in their power to stop it from happening. I read the names, and it strikes me that the devil had all of his men in all of the key positions of authority in the land that day. All the forces of the devil were arrayed to prevent the advent of the Messiah and to prevent the salvation of mankind and the restoration of people like you and me with a holy God. Corruption had taken root in the temple and in the state. And the scepter had gone from Israel and the glory had gone from the holy place and the people had nowhere to look and nowhere to turn to and everybody over them was pushing them down one more time. So what does God do when he faces this kind of opposition? Does God get unnerved? Is he fearful? Does God forfeit an entire country and just say, I guess I'm done, I just never saw that one coming? In John 1.6 it says, There came a man sent from God. When things get bad and things get ugly... God does what he's always done. He finds a single person and sends him into the mix. And if he can find one faithful person, the whole entire set of circumstance is going to turn around. One faithful person was commandeered from the wilderness and brought into this mix. And the next thing you know, everything that God had on his heart and on his mind came to pass. In the last many years, there have been many political changes on the national level. Our society's morals have shifted and shifted and shifted. And they will shift again. The culture of the United States of America has changed dramatically. Consistent faithfulness is demanded from Christian people to hold unswervingly to biblical principle and to biblical truths. For spiritual leaders to stand on God's word, understanding that God's word will not move, it will not back up, it will not blink, it will stand as truth no matter what kind of day we live in. 
Pastor Rudy, I just commend you for your faithfulness in the area. I commend you on standing on God's word throughout your ministry. Regardless of the political climate, you have done a great job. Regardless of cultural issues, you've done a great job. Regardless of societal difficulties and even ungodly civic leaders, you have done a great job being a faithful man of God and holding up God's word. Nehemiah shows us that when the needs of the people are prioritized, impossible things can take place. Brokenness and concern for the plight of people always aligns us with the heart of God. It's amazing to me when Nehemiah found out that the walls were in bad repair, he sat down and started to pray, and then he sat down and started to cry. And he is 800 miles away serving food to a king, and he's crying about something 800 miles away. It's amazing how much missions that has in it, that you can care about a part of the world that you're not even living in. Nehemiah cries, and then he prays. He's a man of passionate prayer, but he's also a man of action. He's a man who's willing to do what's not been done before. He's willing to do something he's never done before. Nehemiah doesn't have a resume on building walls around cities. He's a man who's willing to risk things for the benefit of other people. Pastor Rudy, I have to commend you in this area also. Your faithfulness in addressing the needs of the people prioritizing that which is deemed difficult or impossible and is now being accomplished on a regular basis. One of my favorite things about Nehemiah is there's no angelic visitation in the entire book. There's not one miracle. There's just a lot of hard work and there's some bad guys that say mean things to him every single day. And the wall gets built. 52 days he built a wall. Pastor, you're, a, you're an admirable man. You've been faithful to get in a car every Sunday and drive for an hour to get to church. And you're 89 years old. I admire that very greatly and I thank you for your faithfulness to these people. Noah, his life shows us that regardless of the odds, God plus one is always a majority. Faithfulness to stand against the odds. Faithfulness is courage to stand on principle when the world around you bows. God looked at the whole earth and he goes, this isn't good. This is not good. As a matter of fact, I've got some regret about this whole thing. I think, I think we're going to do a little do-over. A do-over is called for. As a matter of fact, the only guy I think we're going to put on the boat is Noah and his family. Amazing, the odds. Courage is a trait that God looks for and utilizes for those that He calls. Courage is always going to enter into the equation when you're being faithful to God on behalf of other people. I'll tell you something. When you stand for somebody that God loves, somebody is going to oppose you for standing for that person. When you champion somebody who's struggling in their life, somebody's going to stand against you and have a biblical or a spiritual perspective while doing it. Pastor, I commend you for your faithfulness in this area. Faithful regardless of the odds. 
in you, Pastor Rudy, we really do see the fact that God plus one is a majority. Thank you for showing us that. You might be wondering how long I'm going to do this today. I'm, this is my last guy I want to talk to you about. I'm between you and lunch right now. And that's a bad position to be. <laughs> when you're preaching, the door's open here. You can see the tables are all set. So I'm not going to be much longer. David, his life is a testament to the fact that in the quiet and unseen aspects of who you are, you are being qualified for greatness. David sat on the Judean hills and he watched sheep. Now one of the things about watching sheep is nobody watches you watch sheep. They put you out there with the sheep and sheep tell no tales. David could have done whatever he wanted to do on the Judean hills. David could have been smoking dope on the, on the Judean hills. Nobody would have known. David could have been sleeping with his girlfriend every day, but no one would have known. But what David was doing out on the Judean hills of his life is he was working a sling and he was playing a harp. And those are the two things that God used to promote him to a throne. Can I tell you that what it is that you are honing in the quiet of your life is the very thing that will, God will want to use or will disqualify you from all that God has for you. The quiet, unseen parts of your life are manifest very obviously in a very obvious way. What are you honing in the quiet of your life? God's track record was quoted by David and his preparation was used by God in return. David said, God has done some wonderful things. I've killed lions and I've killed bears. And I believe I can kill a giant. And God said, I have watched you on the Judean hills of your life work that sling. I think that together you and I can bring a giant down. David deals not only with the quiet part of his life well, he deals with authority well. The prophet comes to his house. He's anointed king. The stains are still on his garments from the oil from Samuel. And his dad says to him, David, I have an idea. Take this bread and this cheese and go down to the battlefield and visit your brothers and bring this to the commander of their unit, and then you hurry on home and bring me word about how the battle is going. Can you imagine? It would have been so easy for David to look at his dad and say, not on your life, dad. You see these stains? I'm somebody. I'm going to be the next king. You need to have somebody else deliver cheese sandwiches and bring back news. But that's not what David did. The Bible records these words that he rose early in the morning and kept all of his supplies and got them to the line and then ran to the battlefield. David handles authority well. He obeys his father. He handles his responsibilities well. This is a key to faithfulness is handling whatever God has given you well. He watched after the sheep before he leaves on his assignment and then he gets the supplies to where he had gotten them. All of these things lead to a giant falling who had defied God for 40 days. Pastor, again, I want to commend you on your faithfulness. Faithfulness in the quiet, the unseen areas, 
of your life. 50-year pins don't happen without disappointments in life. 50-year pins don't happen without heartache and without disappointment. 50-year pins don't happen without temptation to quit and to leave the battlefield. I commend you for how you have handled the quiet and the unseen aspects of life because that's where we qualify ourselves for greatness in God's kingdom. Faithfulness. Faithfulness to God's call, faithfulness to churches, faithfulness to a district, faithfulness. Faithfulness to his family, faithfulness to his marriage, faithfulness. I'm here today because I wanted to come and I wanted to honor you for your faithfulness in this community. Applaud you for the things that you do as a Christian church in Overton, Nevada. And I also wanted to shine some light on this man and just tell you, Pastor, from the District Superintendent, Northern California, Nevada, we applaud you and we admire you. The National Office has given you a pin that you get to wear around. I brought you something that you can put on your bookshelf today. I want you to have. So, uh, Valerie, would you bring that up? And Pastor Rudy, would you come up? I want to I present something to you. Now, Pastor, you've been a part of the Assemblies of God since 1955. Now, you know how we love plaques. <laughs> the Assemblies of God, we love plaques. And um, when Jesus comes back, Scripture says that everybody's going to throw their crowns at Jesus' feet. And after that ceremony, then there's going to be a separate ceremony, I believe, with the Assemblies of God. And we're going to have to get rid of these plaques because we have been handing these things to each other for years. I brought you something for your bookshelf today. And, uh, Pastor, I'm naming a new award, and you're going to be the first recipient of it. We've never given this award out in the history of Northern California, Nevada. We've been in existence just over a hundred years, and this award has never been given to anybody, you're going to be the first one that receives it. This is called the Superintendent's Achievement Award. In recognition of exemplary service and contributions to the Assemblies of God, 1955 through 2023, Reverend Rudy Greco. God bless you, my friend.